Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we hear all about Willie Jefferson's return to Winnipeg. He discusses why he decided to come back, why he left money on the table to go elsewhere, and what he thinks about the team's chances to repeat. Also learn more about a local jiu-jitsu superstar in the making. Just won an enormous tournament in San Diego. He's 14 years old. His name is Logan McDonald. You'll hear his story on the podcast. Let's start the show with Willie Jefferson, the all, well, all everything defender for the Winnipeg Jet or Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I mean, he is the most outstanding defensive player of the year. He was a force of nature in the Grey Cup. He was a huge part of why this team was successful last season in winning the Grey Cup for the first time in 29 years. So why did he want to come back to Winnipeg? He talked to the media today and explained why. Uh, just wanted to come back to where it all began, you know, uh, 29 years, the drought is over, you know, trying to uh, just keep that going. Um, felt like uh, we put a lot of effort into last year, the building process and things like that. And like I told uh, my guy yesterday, like it made no sense for me to leave once I seen everybody was coming back and uh, we could do exactly what we did last year. But did Hamilton and Toronto, who wooed him, did they make it tough to make a choice? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, the the love that the city of Toronto and the uh, city of Hamilton showed me and my family uh, over the weekend when we made our visits and things like that, speaking to uh, Pinball and uh, Murph and seeing the coaches and then traveling from Toronto to Hamilton to see Coach O and uh, the staff and see how things are ran and the facilities and things like that in, uh, in Hamilton. Uh, it, it was all you know, taken taking in, uh, this process. And I just wanted to make uh, the right decision for me and my family, and it uh, felt right to just come back. So what was the deciding factor then? Uh, the, deciding, like, the deciding factor was just the, uh, the team and uh, the organization and how much love the uh, Winnipeg organization showed me when I first uh, made the decision to do my own thing last year and uh, it really it really wasn't about the money situation uh, I felt like I was gonna get paid uh, what I was deserved and you know Winnipeg uh, made it kind of hard for me not to want to come back you know like I said uh, bringing back guys like Darvin Stan Yosh um, you know what I'm saying, myself, and then knowing that I had Jackson still being here and uh, Coach O'Shea coming back as well. And it, uh, like I said, it didn't, it didn't seem right to leave. So they're running it back for one more year, maybe even two more years because he signs the two-year deal. Why was it important for him to sign a two-year deal instead of a one? Oh, it makes me feel good, you know, uh, puts a little... You know what I'm saying comfort on my shoulders and my uh, me and my family. This, like I said, this is a place where uh, we plan to get comfortable. Uh, we have a good amount of friends. You know what I'm saying a good fan base, a good community around us, and things like that. And the organization has taken care of us uh, last year and uh, moving forward. I'm pretty sure it'll be the same way. So, like I don't, uh, like I said, I'm I'm to the point now where, like I said, I'm not really trying to bounce around. I'm uh, trying to be in one spot for a while. And uh, me signing my two-year contract here uh, pretty much shows that I'm willing to stay and I'm willing to put in the work to uh, help this organization grow bigger than what it already is. Uh, Just the fact that I wanted to be here, you know, like I said, I don't want to have to be doing free agency uh, negotiations every year and things like that and having to sign a contract every year and stuff like that. If I could uh, find a number that I was comfortable with that the uh, 
that the organization was comfortable with for a two-year deal, and we did that. So um, pretty much took me back to my first year when I signed as a rookie with Edmonton and things like that. Um, the one-and-one was a thing that I didn't know about um, coming back my, for my second year and having the chance to go back to uh, to a great cup and things like that. I'm saying it felt kind of comfortable just knowing uh, once the season was over that you didn't have to worry about you know going home and negotiating another contract or having your agent talk to you know teams and stuff like that to see about how much money you you're worth or uh, how much money you can get or if you're taking a pay cut and things like that. Um, just to know what I'm getting for the next two years uh, gives me a little comfort. You know what I'm saying? It takes a, a lot off my back and things like that coming into the off season and just ready to uh, work, you know what I'm saying, not having to worry about the little things. So the questions revolving around the future of Jefferson were focused on a couple things. One was, would he go to Hamilton? Would he go to Toronto? The other was the NFL. He's 29 years old. He's one of the best players in the CFL. He's in great shape. And he tried out for the Dolphins, but he obviously didn't get a spot. So how does he feel about that? Uh, it's, it's it's not frustrating at all just because I knew I was going to always have uh, somewhere to go and things like that. It was really just a, a thing of me wanting to, you know what I'm saying, go back go back down south and uh, play ball at pretty much the highest level you can play, you know what I'm saying, which is the NFL and stuff like that and show that, you know what I'm saying, I could be a part of an organization in the NFL and uh, add my, my play to a team and, you know what I'm saying, hopefully get them to a win to to a Super Bowl and things like that. But I wasn't really uh, upset about not going down. You know, I put my best foot forward. I put out a, a good workout. And if, you know, NFL teams don't want to uh, put me on the team, I'm saying, like, that's that's their fault in the end. So. Does he know why it didn't work out in Miami? Well, I really don't know. I'm saying, I guess it was just like a numbers thing, you know. Um, new defensive coordinator. Like when I went worked out with them, it was it was one defensive coordinator, and then I guess a couple of weeks later they got a new defensive coordinator that uh, that I guess didn't, didn't fit his scheme or whatever. So I really don't know. I really didn't uh, ask those kind of questions. Those guys uh, didn't get in contact with me after like all that. So, so I just left it as it was. So is the NFL dream dead? I don't want to say most definitely, but, you know, uh, NFL teams aren't looking for 30-year-old defensive, uh, defensive ends. So uh, that's pretty much the same reason why they uh, didn't want to pick me up this year. You know, I was uh, 28, just turned 29 in January, at the end of January. And uh, moving forward, I'm pretty sure I'm not getting any, I'm not getting any younger. So, and that's pretty much what the NFL is looking for. They're looking for younger guys to come into uh, the league and help an organization. And, uh, you know what I'm saying? Guys that they can um, mold into NFL players. I'm not that guy. I'm already molded. Uh, I've been through a lot of things. I've shown that I can play ball uh, on the line, uh, dropping back and doing things like that. And if uh, NFL team wants a younger guy, they can do that. I'm I'm 30 and I'm I'm still playing football. Unfair to say he's getting better with age. You can always you can always learn uh, new things every year. And uh, with younger guys coming into the league and with uh, you know veterans coming from different teams and stuff like that, you always tend to collaborate. And um, like I said, I'm a student of the game always. You know, I always want to uh, find different ways to be better at my craft. Uh, if I can always enhance myself uh, and learn things to make me better. I'm doing that every season, every off season. And uh, watching film is a, is a must, and I'm getting better at that as well. So 
you know, keep getting better. That's the motto. And yeah, he took less money to stay in Winnipeg. I was off of more. I'm saying like I don't really want to get into the numbers and things like that, but it was it was more, but um, not not significantly, but you know, I'm saying still more. But at the end of the day, you, uh, older guy in the league as a vet, you know, uh, money. The money, uh, the numbers tend to sound good, but after you know taxes and things like that, they tend to break down and stuff like that. So uh, moving to Toronto and uh, Hamilton and things like that with the tax break and stuff like that, I'm pretty much breaking even. So I feel good about it. How important was it for you to be the highest paid defensive player in the league? Oh, it wasn't important at all. No, uh, not at all. Um, like last year, I felt like last year I felt like I put out a good a good tape and. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Teams wanted to make me the highest paid player in the, uh, in the league and uh, the negotiation process that I had with Winnipeg and things like that, I could have been, but I chose not to because I want, like I said, I always want to uh, be a team player. I always want the, the organization to uh, build around me. I don't always want it to just be me as the sole purpose of the defense and things like that or the offense or the team, period. Um, if you can put a good group of guys together uh, with the money that's you know, out there for everybody. I'm saying everybody can have a piece of the pie. You know, I don't want the whole thing, and I don't want, and I uh, for sure don't want to be the spotlight of you know when it comes down to uh, money differences and things like that. So that's pretty much all it is. Like I've always, like I said, I've always been a team player. You know, what I'm saying I always want people to get what they deserve, just because I always put in my work, and things like that. So that's just how that went. So which re-signing got his attention the most? Uh, the one that got my attention the most was Darvin, and exactly because uh, just because uh, I was still trying to work out my, you know, what I'm saying my deal and things like that. If I wanted to come back for the one year or the two year and things like that, and to see Darvin come back for three, uh, it made my decision. You know, what I'm saying pretty much, pretty much uh, easy. You know, what I'm saying me and Darvin have been cool over the years and things like that, and uh, we've always talked about you know, what I'm saying being here and. Uh, and once I got here and seen how things were and just really got the chance to uh, bond with everybody in the locker room, not just him, but bond with everybody in the locker room and see how uh, much of a leader he is to the offensive side of the ball. And uh, if I could be a leader to, you know what I'm saying, my guys on the defensive side of the ball uh, in the same light, then I'm, I'm willing to do that. So. so given all the re-signings, how does he view the team's chances of repeating as Grey Cup champs? Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're ready to uh, go. All the way, you know what I'm saying? Like with uh with Zach coming back, Darvin, uh the offensive line with being the uh one of the toughest offensive lines in the league. Uh having all those guys come back healthy and strong, it's gonna be hard to uh compete against them. And then, you know, me, Jackson, Biggs, and the uh guys that we have, JJ coming from uh from Edmonton and things like that and all the pickups that we, you know, uh tend to make and all the um the things we do in the draft and training camp and things like that, I, I, I feel we have a big, a really good shot at going back. JJ from Edmonton is Josh Johnson, who was acquired on uh, the first day of free agency. Today, the Bombers signed a linebacker, Toby Antigua, to a one-year deal. Played 11 games with the Argos last year, his third season in the CFL. 20 tackles and two interceptions. Now, the team does have to replace departed defensive line and linebackers coach Glenn Young, who is now the D.C. in Toronto. I believe that Coach O'Shea and uh, Kyle and the guys upstairs uh, will make a good decision on who they will bring in for the uh, defensive coach and things like that. I know, you know I'm I know Coach Rich will probably be around, and I know he'll uh, have his hand in there too to pick a good, you know, defensive line coach, good linebacker coach for uh, 
for the guys and things like that. Uh, the DB, the DBs have a good uh, group of coaches with uh, Coach Younger and uh, James Stanley. But you know, um, I'm here to help. You know, I'm, I've been in the league for a while. You know, Jackson's been in the league for a while. Biggs has been in the league for a while, and uh, Jesse as well. You know, Thomas. You know, those are good linebacker guys, and you know, what I'm saying we uh, have a good defensive line group as scheme and things like that from me being in the system last year learning it and uh doing so well and then Jackson being in the system for a couple of years and it and knowing it and uh us being able to help, you know what I'm saying, the young guys and also the coach that comes in, uh run the defense, especially from the front the front line part. Uh I feel like it'll be a smooth transition for whoever they pick. Now he's in town for one more day. He is going back to Texas tomorrow to work out. And he was here this week when it got super cold. So would he ever think of staying here year round? Oh no, not at all. Uh, I'm I'm happy I'm happy to, you know, come back and uh get a little taste of the weather and things like that. Um and be a part of the culture. You know, uh they call it Winnipeg, winter pig for for a reason. And you know, you know what I'm saying, the snow coming down and it being cold and things like that is a part of the culture, you know. If I can come out here and show people that, you know, I'm not afraid of the snow, afraid of the cold and things like that, this is, this is where I want to be, then, you know, it is what it is. I'm saying it's, it's a couple of guys that, that stay out here year-round and things like that, but I like the chance to uh, go back and see family and uh, enjoy the Texas weather and enjoy my time. All in all, what does he hope his legacy will be in Winnipeg? Uh, that I came in and uh, did, exactly what I, did exactly what I was supposed to do, you know, uh, want to be a leader to this team, a leader in this community, um, and be a part of this organization. Um, at the end of the day, that's all I want is uh, my legacy, to be to be heard and to be known. So if, it, if it's here in Winnipeg for however long it is, then I, that's, that's fine with me. All right, I'm welcoming into the studio tonight Logan and Marcia McDonald. Welcome in studio, the two of you. Thank you. All right. So I'm having you in today because, Logan, you recently won a big Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament. Yes. So for those who may not have ever tried it, kind of give the Cliff Notes version of what jiu-jitsu is all about. Um, So jiu-jitsu is a combat sport. It's kind of like submission wrestling. Uh, So you wear gis or no gi most of the time. And it's like tournaments and you can go at points. And it's a lot of fighting from standing and on the ground. What's a gi? It's like tradition, like you know, karate. Like the white kind of yeah, outfit? like a kimono. A little kind bit of different thing. though. It's a okay. little bit heavier for jujitsu. Okay, and why? Why is it heavier? Uh, it's just like more like durability. Okay, lasts longer. Cool. Okay, so you went down to the states and you won a tournament in San Diego. How many matches did you have to win to do that? Uh, so I had to win three matches. My first one was against an opponent from Japan. My second was against an opponent from USA. And my third, my final match was against an opponent from Brazil. So this is a worldwide sport. Correct. Okay. And Marcia, were you there in San Diego? We were not there. We okay. were able to watch it on a live stream, though. How exciting was it? It was so exciting. It's at the Welter Pyramid in Long Beach. So there's thousands of people watching it's considered the best tournament or one of the best tournaments that kids can compete in in jiu-jitsu in the whole world. So he was competing at the highest level a kid can get to at this point, being the green belt and 14 years old. That's awesome. 
and was must have also been good to be in the California in the winter. Yeah, it was really nice. <laughs> so how long ago did you get involved in jiu-jitsu? You're 14 now. Uh, so I started training jiu-jitsu when I was four years old. I started in my basement with my dad because I was interested. He's been doing martial arts for like 20 years. So he started training me, and then a couple of my friends started training along with him, him and me in our basement. But then too many people started to join, so we went to a community center to increase, and then more people started coming, and now we're in a space and have over 70 students. And Marcia, what was it like seeing a four-year-old trying to do jiu-jitsu? Four-year-olds doing jiu-jitsu is super cute. I mean, <laughs> they're adorable. So right now we have a program at our club called the the little roll like the little rollers the tiny rollers okay. and they're between four five six years old and and they learn all the basics and and yeah it's really really cute they don't really fight each other so right. much but they go through the movements and it's pretty it's pretty good to watch for you, sure Logan do you remember when it was that you kind of really realized how to do jujitsu was there a certain point when you realized okay this is what I'm so actually supposed to do because when you're a kid it's probably not quite the same. Yeah, so I started to actually really realize it when I was seven, and I competed in my first tournament, and I placed second. But mm -hmm. I finally like really started to realize what it was and all the all that you have to train for a tournament and everything. And what point did you realize you were pretty good? Uh, around my second year, when I was eight. After that, I kind of went on like a three-year winning streak. And, oh wow! Uh, so then, yeah. Is he, go ahead. He ended up, um, all the, the people in Winnipeg ended up giving him a nickname, Double Gold McDonald, oh because you can, at each of the local tournaments, you can compete in a gi and then in no gi, so you have two chances to win, and he was winning all the time in Winnipeg, and then we would go to Regina, and he'd win there, and then it just sort of kept going, and then he would travel to Minneapolis, and he was just double gold, double gold, double gold, so... And that's, I'm assuming, for you and your husband, a lot of pride. Oh, extreme amount of pride. So proud of him. Now, explain the difference, Logan, fighting with a gi and no gi. What are the different challenges? Um, so with the gi, I find it's a lot more technical because it's not, uh, like in the no gi, it's really slippery. So it's hard. What are you wearing then? So you're wearing like shorts and a t-shirt basically, or like what we like to wear rash gear. So it's like skin tight material. Really tight shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So in the gi, you can make grips, which will help you do a lot of stuff. There's more chokes that you can do, uh, more passes, more sweeps. It's just a bit like more evolved, more advanced game. But in no gi, it's kind of more like wrestling. Okay. So it's a little bit more like not so technical. So does the, the, the two options, is that all the way even in the adult levels too? Uh, yes. Okay. And is one more popular than the other? Uh, the or does everyone do both? Everybody, a lot of people do both, but there's some people like no gi is really popular for some people and gi is really popular for some people, but I'd okay. say they're both pretty equal. Okay. Marcia, have you uh, been heavily involved in jujitsu as well? Yeah, I've been part of this for about 10 years now. So starting out just learning from my husband and more of a self-defense idea and then we just became more and more because it's it's like any sport. You just get addicted to it. It's so fun and it's so challenging. And when you're on the mats, you can't really 
think about other things. So, you know, the rest of the world doesn't matter. So right. it becomes a, a really fun place. And then now that we have this gym going, it's like, it's our favorite place to go. Cause it, you know, it makes us all happy. We do it as a family. Now we have a bunch of friends that do it and all the people that we teach have become kind of like our other family now. Okay. What is it about for you, Marcia, jujitsu that drew you in and keeps you in it? It's a lot of fun. It's very challenging. Um, you you get a workout without even knowing that you are working out. It's super fun because also you know you're you're trying to submit people, right? You're trying to figure out ways to get there's their some, arm arm lock strategy. their arm yeah. or yeah choke them with their own gi. Like it's it's quite a it's quite funny. At the same time, they're trying to do the same thing to you. So it's um it's pretty it's pretty exciting. And for you, Logan. The idea of it's just you in there. It's a solo game. It's all your own head. It's all your own your own body. I mean, that's something that appeals to you. Uh, yeah, I like it better because nobody can really drag you down. You're the one that gets you ready for the tournament. You're the one that goes in there and does it for yourself. How much of this is mental? I'd say close to like 90%. If you go in already thinking you're going to lose, there's no way you're going to win. Right. So for uh, for those who are in your age bracket, how far can you go until you have to go into the adult tournaments? What age is it that you, you age into the adult tournaments? Actually, this was my last year competing in the kids' tournaments. So uh, you go to the Team 3, so that's 14 to 15. And then next year you go into the juvenile division, so blue belt. And then you just keep going on from there into adults. So, like when you're 18, then, or yeah, so you okay. can start competing juveniles at 16 and or 15, actually. Okay, so you've that's going to be I assume a pretty big jump then, because the f- physicality will go to a whole nother level. Yeah, it it is by weight as well, though. There's all weight divisions as well as the age right. divisions, and then also the belts. So it is very much divided right. based on skill, age, and and weight. And what belt are you? I'm a green belt. Okay, and so what's the highest you can reach at your age, black? Uh, I can reach green-black level. Okay, and then is uh, is your dad a black belt? My dad is a black belt. Do you want to get to that someday? Yeah. When do you think you'll be able to beat him? <laughs> uh, I think within the next year or is, two. Is Oh, that's that's pretty ambitious. Do you think that's possible, Marcia? It's it. He's definitely closing the gap on, on, on Matt right now, that's for sure. Um, he's, he's a strong kid and he trains really hard and has a lot of athleticism in, into him. So all of the adults that used to roll with him as a kid are now finding him to be a bit of a problem. Okay. And he's going to get bigger. He's going to get bigger and he's going to get better and stronger. So you have to think when he becomes a blue belt next year, he'll have already been training for eight years. So he'll be an eight year blue belt where some, you know, if you started training and you got your blue belt within two years, you might be the same weight as him and the same belt as him, but the experience level will be much, much more. Is there an advantage to being taller or shorter or does it really matter? Uh, I think they both play their parts. Uh, So in the position, the guard having like long legs will help you more. But if you're standing up, like takedowns, being shorter helps because you can be lower than your opponent. Right. And what's the highest level you could reach? Is there? Is this an Olympic sport? 
It's it, not an Olympic sport. Okay. Is that something that has been discussed a lot, that they want it to be an Olympic sport? Uh, it is, but they were saying that they would have to change the rules a bit, and so now they're just sticking with the IPJJF in Abu Dhabi. That's like the international championship, basically? Yeah. And has have you ever been to that? Have you ever watched it? Do you want to get there? Uh, actually, my tournament that I was just at was the kids' version of IBJJF. Okay. International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. So it was basically like Pan American nice. World Championships. Cool. Well, we'll be following your progress. We'll remember the name, and we hope to uh, see you uh, with many more golds down the stretch. Thanks for coming in, Logan and Marcia. Thanks you both coming in. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?